Welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. You're a Boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, T Dizzle, in the place to be. <laughs> and welcome to episode 42. Tonathy, T Dizzle, yeah. what's going Tonothy. on? That's right, Tonathy in the house. How you um, doing? Yo, I'm doing good. You know what? We had our election last week. Yes, we recorded we on election day. We did. There were some highs. There were some lows. There were a lot of things. There were a lot of things. <laughs> but overall, I'm I'm as satisfied as I possibly could be. I am so, not. And I won't even pretend <laughs> to be. But uh, Fair I enough. will say that everyone who's looking on the bright side and everyone who has pointed out all the great work that's been done, I think that's fantastic. Uh, but it's just not good enough for me. I'm not going to lie. It's No, not. I guess I guess <laughs> the reason why I sound so optimistic is that currently, at least while we're doing this podcast, there's a lot of elections still up for dispute yes so it's kind of crossing your fingers that things might turn out in a good way and just just you know just hoping for the best that's all i can do the thing that bothers me it's like literally how is this even how are we in this place where it's like it's not obvious like how is that a thing it just i'm in florida right now i know (laughs) believe me oh god whatever did you see that meme that one meme that was like florida voting uh, Florida being five feet above water and then voting for the party that doesn't believe in climate change. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- again, I, I think I, you know, as, as I've kind of stated here, I'm going to be moving out to California. And like when I saw that Florida had nominated DeSantis to be the governor, which again, fingers crossed that that doesn't go through, but yeah. whatever. Uh, it was just this this feeling of just like, oh, so this is what it feels like to be black in America. Just like being hopeful that change <laughs> is going to happen. But then when it doesn't happen, just being like, well, like what, what, what I was silly for expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did I expect? <laughs> yeah. And that's just the black experience as clear as it could possibly be. Just constant, just like, oh, maybe uh, disappointment. Yeah, exactly. So... Anywho, moving Anyways. on to other things. This episode, yo, this is yo, one okay. of those memorable episodes. Yes. And I have to tell you that this episode, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to grade it yet, but I will tell you that it it dropped a letter grade for a big reason. And that reason was, and you'll know what I'm talking about here, there is a casting issue with this episode. Yes, I know exactly what you're I talking have. about big problems with and we'll we'll do the tell me about it and we'll wait until we get to roll call <laughs> well but. actually there are a few issues um with this episode yeah. of casting <laughs> this is like again it's one of those uh episodes where i'm like did anyone pay attention to like the rest of the season like who let like i don't know it's just like it would have been very easy to like just change I, yeah. one or two names <laughs> i have thoughts but you know we'll we'll move okay, on okay 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 i mean like maybe maybe our problem is we never do the background on these episodes to see like if it was like a new writer or whatever oh i i i i mean i'm sure someone at the studio was just like that guy's 38 years old he can't be in high school <laughs> without realizing that they've already established him and built a rapport and relationship with exactly. other characters 
We'll get to it, guys. Don't worry. All right. So, uh, are we doing the tell me about it? Tell me about it. Tell there me all about the show. <laughs> you know what it is? Whenever you get into that second part, it reminds me of um, America's Funniest Home Videos. Do you remember? Oh. I don't know what you're talking about, but anything that puts me in the same category as Bob Saget, I'm a yeah, fan of. But you don't remember that song? Like, like it was like, uh, it's like the part, I can't remember it, but like. The it, Funniest Home Videos theme yeah, song? Yeah, Funniest Home theme. It's like, with red, white, and blue, America, America. This, I don't this remember theme. this at all. Oh my God, have we, to have to play that. we have because to YouTube it. Because I'm going to edit it in so yeah, the viewers exactly. can hear it. But. We can do that part, but anyway, um, this is season season two, episode nineteen. <laughs> Wrong side of the tracks. After being turned down for a date uh, because of where he's from, Sean begins to question his place in Corey's world. Meanwhile, in order to impress a girl, Eric learns to ice skate by audio tape. Yeah, so that's the B plot to this episode. Which yeah. <laughs> my question is. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things. One, I just want to say, like, let's let's start off with Eric um, and Jason, mostly because it's just fun, and we have so much more to talk about. So, well, all right, wait, hold on. Before we even get there, let's let's do the the roll call. The roll call because we have some new characters within both storylines. That need <laughs> God, to I, like, I just wanted to go straight into their little story thing, but fine, I'll do it yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, it's, it is really funny. All right, so roll call. First of all, we have. Let me see her name. I have it written down. Give me one second because I, I did. Fr- yeah, I don't. I don't remember who it was that Eric was trying to get with, but I know that Sean was talking to Jill Hollinger. Yeah, Jill Hollinger. That's what I wanted. Jill Hollinger plays the the rich girl that Sean has a crush on. And I was like, who's this Isabella Rosalini looking son of a bitch in seventh grade? Yeah, yeah. She she did have a very um familiar face. I don't know what else she's been in. Her her act her name is Rebecca Herbst. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't recognize her from anything else, but her face seemed very familiar. And then we have Mindy Barnett, and that is like the girl who plays Mindy Barnett is we've seen her before and she was not mindy really she was not mindy before she was on the show though before yeah she was she was paula kelly yeah she was paula kelly in the i'm not a crook episode he was paula and that really wow, made me angry. World. So they just moved her from one guy boy to the other boy. Okay, that's what, I see that's how what you I'm doing. saying. It made me angry because it was just like, how hard was it to just keep her Paula? Or, or cast her, cast someone else, guys. Yeah, or cast someone else. It's like not it's, that hard. Whatever. Maybe bring back one of these other girls that Eric and Sean have uh, exactly with. Um, like it wouldn't have made it that big of a deal, but like it just bothered me that Paula, uh, that who was Paula previously is now Mindy, and I was like, this episode is, it's I guess you could say it's uh quintessential Boy Meets World because not only is it a great story and it has really good lessons, but it also has no continuality. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I actually dove into IMDb because I was very cu- uh, curious about Jill Hollinger. Uh-huh. Um, she did a Sister Sister episode. I was going to tell the um, same thing to you. 
she she also did a few episodes of that show Brotherly Love with the Lawrence Brothers. Oh, but okay. I actually recognize her from a little '90s Nickelodeon TV show called Space Cases. Of course uh, you do. It was about basically it was like the kid version of Star Trek, and it had the black guy from uh, My Little Power Rangers. Yeah. Walter Jones, yeah, it was a great little show, and she was on it for a season. She was a cutie then, and I remember thinking she was cute. Um, she also later went on to do like General Hospital up until the present. So, yeah, okay, so there's that, and then we get um, hold on, the- oh, we we Nancy Kerrigan is in this. Wait, episode. wait, wait, you you jumped again. Me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> because we had to do Valerie first. Valerie, Valerie, Monkey. who was? Who's Valerie? <laughs> I'm monkeying this up, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> this is what we got warned about. I'm monkeying it up. Yeah, no, like that's just seriously. We had Valerie, which is what I, who I wanted to get to first because the thing with Valerie is that Valerie is um, she only ice skates. Like she's like that's all she has time to do. She has no time to do anything else but ice skate. And then, like, right after they finished practicing the first time, she's like, hey, you want to go get some food? I was like, so you do have time. <laughs> yeah. And, by the way, Jason in oh, this storyline. We're going to, like, see, this is why I want to get into it first. Because I yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. Yeah. All right, well, that's the central cast. Also, Nancy Kerrigan for, Nancy honestly, Kerrigan. the only reason this story is even like thrown into the mix is because they got a hold of Nancy Kerrigan. Also, it's so like it's perfectly nineties and this is before all the drama. So it's just like an amazing Oh yeah, yeah. Episode. She's not limping. She's not limping though. <laughs> <laughs> you just look at her. It's one of those things where you look at her, you're like, you're so bright eyed. The future is so bright for you. <laughs> you're about to get your big break, Nancy Kerrigan. And you don't I hate even you know so it. much. That was not funny. <laughs> I mean, it is hilarious, but it's terrible. Too soon? Yeah. Too way soon too for soon. the Nancy Kerrigan joke? Come on, guys. <laughs> and then, oh, and then we also need to acknowledge, well, we have to, we have to acknowledge this. We have to but I acknowledge. Will, I will very begrudgingly acknowledge this. So, so there is a character who yeah. they call Kiner. And I was Harley like, Kiner. are we, are we, are we just going to say that this is his cousin are we going to say that, like, I will give you, like, some world within where it's, like, the kind of family just runs this place? Yeah. But towards the end of it, they call him Harley, Harley, and I was like, I will not accept that. <laughs> yeah. They they basically try to play off a new a- actor as Harley Kiner, even though we've had the other actor as Harley consistently throughout the show. And exactly. he even comes back as Harley after this episode. Exactly. So, How I, hard was it just to say someone else? And also, I was yeah. like, you tried to Aunt Viv us? You can't Aunt Yeah, Viv you us. can't Aunt Viv us. At least at least at least Fresh Prince told us they were Aunt Viv and us. Like <laughs> yeah. the the thing that's so just crazy about this is that it was clearly I and this is how I interpret it, that someone at ABC pointed out that the actor who traditionally plays Harley is forty years old. <laughs> and they insisted that they try someone else and then they could not they, they couldn't he couldn't join I mean he just obviously wasn't charismatic at all. So no. I think they were like, we need to pull in the other actor whose name is Danny McNulty. Danny McNulty is the original actor. Um, so yeah, just I, I don't know why he's not in this. And honestly, if he didn't have access to Harley, just make Joey and Frankie be the villains. Like, yeah, what are we doing? We didn't. I mean, like, I understand that their whole thing is that they're henchmen, so they don't necessarily. But like, you could have had again. Why not do the Griff thing where it's like, oh, it's a completely different person. 
There can be other bullies in this yeah. school. <laughs> Especially because wild. according to them, being a thug is like sitting a certain way. <laughs> I mean, there's an there's, internship process. There's so. an internship. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, yeah let's, see, let's dive into this. If you would have let me do it the way that I wanted to. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, let's go back to uh, Eric and Jason. So first of all, again, Jason is just... He's such a good character. He's so funny. He's like so perfect and charismatic. I'm just it's in so love funny with him. I'm absolutely in love with him. Their dynamic, I mean, there's actually a scene where for the first time, I believe, we see uh Jason and Eric with Sean and Corey. Yeah. And you just see their mirrored dynamic with each other. And it was in that moment that I realized that Jason is the Sean in their friendship. Oh, absolutely. Jason is the one who's constantly coming up with schemes and ideas. And Eric's the one who's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe we shouldn't. Like, it's just, it's interesting when you throw them side by side, how you're like, oh, okay. Like, I see who Jason is now. And he fulfills that. Oh, yes. Throughout the, episode. the thing is, Jason understands his role. Like, where we have in this episode, uh, Sean is, like, trying to discover himself and figure out, you know, who he is. Jason is secure that he is the number two in terms of looks, but the mastermind behind it all. He's he's <laughs> also the most secure male character that I think we've seen in the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder he, if he that has to do with his height, because he is just, like... 100% secure in who he is. This boy is like, again, he's smooth as peanut butter. And there's, there's a line, what again, I, I don't know how well this ages or not, but, um, you know, Corey and Sean are like, what about you guys? You don't have girls. And then they're like, uh, we hunt when we need, we hunt when we need to hunt. <laughs> and then they see a girl walk by and Jason goes, uh, wabbit season. I know. I love. Him I don't so know much. how I feel about it, but it's hilarious. Again, it's it's probably not saying the right message. I had the same feeling, but the joke is just so well done. And then, additionally, what's interesting to me is it would make sense just because of like even the way the type of person Jason is that he would be the one going after the girls. But it's so funny that the show immediately has him back down and push up Eric as the you know the prize do you know what i mean well you know i thought it was just really like because as soon as they they go into this interaction with valerie they they realize she's like you know I'll, all i do is skate all the time and jason like the boy man we <laughs> all need but don't deserve in an instant points to eric and goes you know it's amazing you two haven't seen each other there already <laughs> Huh? Eric skates. <laughs> and, you know, since you skate, you skate, you both skate. Uh, you could meet each other there, right? Blades. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yo, this is this is the kind of friend you need around. Someone who's gonna see that opportunity when you miss it yourself. You exactly. know? Well, so what I want to point out is we are not supporting gaslighting women because that is terrible. Yeah, and, and that was, was like, my next is, note. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't <laughs> I was like, how do we feel about Eric and Jason blatantly lying to I this don't girl? Like <laughs> the fact that they are gaslighting, but I am with you on the fact that Jason just comes in. Not only does he like say, wait, he's there all the time. I'm surprised you don't see him. He gives him a nickname. He's like, come on, Blades. And I was come like, this on, Blades. Dude has backstory in his lie. I am here for Jason. <laughs> Question though. Yeah. I how how do you 
because obviously we know how this story play, plays out. Yes. Do you feel as if this was Jason setting himself up from the beginning? So that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's funny to see that, um, as I said, he kind of backs down and he like promotes Eric. But I could see it going one of two ways. I can honestly see Jason being the type who's just like, look, she's clearly going to go for her. Eric first. I get it. I'm the short friend. So what I'll do is I'll make the best of getting Eric and then just like he's kind of like that uh what is that thing that like rides on the underbelly of the shark? I can't think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just kind of like that kind of relationship. But uh I can also see him being thinking that and then thinking one step further and being like, "All right, so this is how I'll do it." When Eric like of course messes this up. I'm going to sure. <laughs> go in and Well, I mean, for those who haven't seen the episode, uh, Jason comes up with this brilliant plan to give <laughs> Eric a learn to ski in your sleep cassette hey. tape, which was actually Jason's mom's weight loss tape that he replaced all the things that have to do with weight loss with skiing, which Eric points out, wait, isn't your mom huge? <laughs> and then Jason says, yeah, took her only eight weeks. <laughs> What is the show? <laughs> but what's interesting to me is the fact that they they play us the tape, and it is literally Jason speaking over this weight loss tape. And I was yep. like, so Jason sat here and listened to this tape and recorded over it. Mind he you, this is before GarageBand. Yeah. <laughs> he put so much time into this. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have the internet. <laughs> yeah and that's and that's why i was just like for a person who put that much time into making a two-sided <laughs> tape you know how long a two-sided that's an album like it's, exactly. it's he put so much time into this he had to know what the end game was because also what's strange is that all right so through this tape eric <laughs> develops some kind of strange skate related <laughs> eating disorder what's I don't know how Jason ever finds out about it, but he's so quick to use it against Eric. Again, I think, and this is where I was saying, I think that this is the part where I was like, he understood the full story. Like, he was thinking big picture. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're right, he shows up with food. It's not like he stumbles upon this. He shows up with food. And it's just, like, he doesn't even turn around when he, like, shows it in the epilogue, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like there was maybe a scene where Jason <laughs> got hit to what Eric was going through, and then they cut that and just went straight to the joke. No, I um, like this part way better. That joke No, 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 I think it works really well, too. It's just so, I, I was like, at the end of this, I was like, well... I mean, the last uh, scene of the show is just Jason being the classic fuckboy that he is, exploiting his exactly. friend's eating disorder that he is responsible <laughs> for so that he can move in on his new girlfriend on their first date. Jason is trash. <laughs> Jason is absolute trash, but he is fun trash to watch. Yeah, he is. And he's it's great. literally just the fact that he's adorable that just makes it that much better. I think... Yeah. Now that I just said that, I think part of Jason's charm is the fact that he's the short, funny guy. Because if he was tall in this way, I would probably just see him as a douchebag. He would be too obnoxious. It would be too much. Yeah. It would be too much. But I don't know. Like, yeah, I somehow, like, at the end of this episode, he's definitely, like, (laughs) an asshole. But I'm just like, ah, Jason, you wily son (laughs) of a bitch. You got him. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so let's get into... um, from there, let's get into the main story, which is um, Sean's identity crisis. 
Yeah, so, Sean, this is actually something that we've seen and we're going to continue to see. Yes. Which is just Sean feeling so um, just insecure about his family and his home dynamic that literally one girl said something to him and his entire like ego fell apart. Well, let's um, not forget that, I, and I want to make this very clear, it is something that... Um, we've all had to deal with like one person saying something and having a ripple effect throughout the rest of your life is very true to uh, real life. And it's just really upsetting because everything that they point out about Sean is true. Like with the, I'm talking about Corey and Mr. Turner, you know, it's like, there's so much more to him. We saw last week that he's literally like a trailblazer in his family in terms of caring, in terms of, uh, being intelligent, and he just can't see that because he's reduced uh, by uh, what's her name, Jill and Mindy. Well, I, this is the kind of the question I had because, like, when Sean gets his, like, the episode starts with Sean getting a date with Jill, who seems very excited at the time. Um, and then Eric, I mean, I'm sorry, Sean and Corey kind of talk about how, ooh, this is a different kind of girl for Sean. Yeah. But the only problem I had is that we've, as far as I know, we've only seen Sean hook up with, like, the most popular girls in his in his grade. So why all of a sudden are his past flings kind of looked at as trashy and this girl seems because so much... Because she's refined and together and high class. You can tell by the... By way, the again. No. By the ridiculous <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street, like, like uh, doll That's what coat I said. That I was like, what's wearing? with you, like, the Isabella Rosalini, like, Yeah, why are you again, rating like the Heather's wardrobe Hillary closet? Clinton-type that's like what Mindy's going for, and I'm like, why are you like this yeah. in seventh grade? Calm down. It just it seems like <laughs> such a such a like a weird attempt to kind of place them in a different tax bracket. The other thing that's just interesting is that, and I wrote this question down, and maybe you can give me some insight if you felt this. Uh-huh. Um, I I feel like yeah, there's a difference when like one family makes more money than another family, but when you all go to the same high school, that's what I was just about to say. All zoned in the same district. <laughs> It ain't that different, fam. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's like, they're like, she's such high class. I was like, she's going to the same public school that you do. So. Yeah, she's not in private school. She's not, no, she's at John Adams High with every other person who gets the intern to be thugs. Like, she's not special. Yeah, but again, let's, let's remember that this is high school and it's only with age do you realize all these things. And you're like, sure, sure, sure. You're like, that doesn't even matter. I remember, like, I used to tell people, all the time, like when I went to college, you'd have those guys who'd be like, oh, yeah, my dad can do this or we have this amount of money. And I would always be like, if you can tell me how much money you have, you don't have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just I, I just don't remember like people talking about like their family's income that much. Like I don't recall that co- those conversations happening at all. But well, it probably didn't. But like also in our high school, I'm not going to lie. There was there's, there is a classified divide and. I think about this often when I think about high school. We it was so obvious yet subtle in the distinction. Like our group was in fact the ones where they were a little bit more refined and maybe not everyone were in the same tax bracket, but it's like there was a class divide in our high school. Yeah. Uh and it is it's just very obvious. Even when you look at like the different popular groups. This was like you know, there was just sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm just not going to go too far into it, but yeah. Um, 
we get to this really interesting story point where, where they have the boys, uh, they have this assignment to do biographies. So, and wait, just what they do the biography thing and they're picking people. What I think is hilarious is you do feel this setup come on when Corey's like, I can pick anyone. He's like, anyone at all. Anybody? Anybody. Absolutely anybody? Absolutely anybody. I pick Sean. I pick Corey. <laughs> you know, you walked right into that. I did. Okay. <laughs> Which I love. I think it's such an interesting way for us as an audience to kind of see them dive into each other's characters a little bit more. Like, we, there's actually going to be some growth. Like, as soon as they got assigned to each other, I was like, oh, they're going to have to actually dig deep and ask each other some questions that maybe they haven't asked before. Um, so I thought that was going to be a real great growing moment. My only thing was is that, alright, so Topanga says that the person she has decided to do her biography on, keep in mind Topanga is our woke representative yeah. of the show. Katie Couric. Katie Couric. Yeah. She she couldn't do Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She couldn't do <laughs> Coretta Scott King. Like why? I think I think now she, it would have been Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I do think that that would have been the modern version. But Katie, but how was Katie Couric that? Per, I don't remember her being that a person that Topanga, as we know her, would look up to. This is the Topanga that goes to New York shopping, Christmas <laughs> shopping with her dad. This isn't the. I'm Topanga gonna say that, that Katie Couric does have. She was a trailblazer in her own right. Again, she is, I think it's it's a little dismissive, very much like Corey does, just like, oh, she's so smiley and all this other stuff. No, Katie Kirk has made a name for herself at a time that was predominantly male-driven at the time. Um, and I, I think that Katie Kirk has merit. Now, would I have chosen Barbara Walters more so? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Barbara Walters, like, Oprah Winfrey. There's there's yeah. other examples. You could have, like, if you were going to do this. But that's the other thing that bothers me is that we've never seen Topanga show interest in that kind of career path. Like, it would be different if Eric chose, like, a weatherman. That makes sense. He's talked about it. He has interest in it. I just uh, wish they would have picked something. We've seen, we've seen Topanga take forefront in a lot of the, um, in a lot of the news-related things. Like she, yeah. she did. She's done a few things. Like they did that interview um, where oh, they got for the sex, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. Um, she's been interviewed a few times. Even when she ran for public office, it's just like she, she does like being at the center of a story. Sure, sure, sure. So okay, I, well, we'll see how that develops. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just and and that they couldn't have chosen someone else. I'm just saying that I think it's a little bit dismissive to not see Katie Couric as um, someone worth doing a report on. You're right. You know what? I have not schooled myself on Katie Couric's biography. I don't know what merits there. Katie Couric, if you're listening to this, I'm very, very sorry. I uh, you know Katie Couric listens to this before she goes on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, this is this is what she listens to on the treadmill each morning. Exactly. Katie, what up? Like, we know you listen. <laughs> okay. So, oh, I also want to say that um, we can start the Turned On by Turner moment, but Turner brought it this episode oh so it's not a single moment yes. it's an it's, it's an episode length brought right. it at, now okay again the first episode we're just gonna do this real quick the first episode Turned of, on by Turner. Ooh. okay so <laughs> the tie in the first one i just i don't understand what it is with the student these ties it's just like can we not get better ties but the All jeans he wears in every single scene is working for him 
Good for you, Turner. He has, a, he has a solid tuck with a shirt going on. Oh, my end, God. Like, it's just every solid single time. Tuck. And then the scene where they're in the hallway and he, uh, he like, confronts not Harley. Um, he's wearing, yeah. like, this button down. And it's just, like, it's, it's a little bit more business than usual. Um, and everything's matching and it's just working for him. And I'm like, Turner brought it. The only complaint I have is in the last scene with the purple shirt. He is gelled up like nobody's business. That hair looks so wet. <laughs> yeah. I just could not get past it. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to you. Like, sh- Turner, um, I think, uh, appeared far more fatherly in yes! this episode. Oh, my um, God. Thank you for reminding me. Because that scene where he's like, he's like, Telling uh, Kiner they're going to have a problem in the hallway. I was yeah. like, ooh, and authoritative? Ooh, he's doing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely stepped up for, for Sean, almost in the same way that Sean kind of stepped up from him in the in the episode prior. All right, um, yeah. So continuality. Just, just kind of continuing that kind of bond that they have. But I just thought this was a real classic example. And I think we see this throughout the episode, that Sean is just lacking uh, father figure and just really a, like a solid family home life. Like that's the problem with Sean that's contributing to this insecurity and that's contributing to him looking for a tribe, whether that be with Harley and, and them or with Corey and uh, Turner. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because what happens when this girl says what she does is you see the wheels start to turn with Sean for the ver- very first time. And he starts to pull at, the strings that are his and Corey's relationship. And it, it it starts off really small, where he's like, oh, you've always lived in a house, haven't you? And, you know, Corey tries to downplay it, and he's like, yeah, I mean, but, like, it wasn't that big of a house or anything like that. And then he's like, well, my dad's going to cook dinner, so why don't we go to my my place? And it's funny that... this I wrote a note about this. Yeah, go ahead. Because Sean basically invites... Uh, Corey over and then Corey says oh are we gonna eat that fish that your dad made on his uh car engine yeah yo I don't care how good of friends we are I don't care how much I love you if you invite <laughs> me over to eat car fish I'm not coming <laughs> like don't don't that's rude to even ask me to come over for car fish and then to like give me shade for saying no to car fish <laughs> damn well you don't want no car fish so don't get mad at me for not wanting car fish so that's a, all I gotta say about a few that. things one I disagree and the only reason why I disagree is because Corey under he understands what Sean's really saying because that's why he tries to downplay the house thing. He understands that what Sean's really saying is, look, we always spend time at your place. If my place is really not that bad, why don't you sure. come over to yeah. my place? That's what he's saying. Yeah. And when Corey says, oh, is it going to be, you know, that stuff that we had last time? Sean's right. He's like, you said you liked it last time. So, yeah, like, that's true. Like, are you lying Corey... then or are you lying now? You know if Corey I mean? said he liked it, then he he brought that on himself. Exactly. I would have been flat up and said like, "Hey, there's car there's like car fluids on my fish. I'm not feeling this." Exactly. I just would have been honest from the get go. Yeah. I um, mean, again, I think this all comes with being an adult, but like understanding that no, you can go, or I would have went and you know been like, "Hey, I'll go," but just know that like I didn't like the that 
fish last time, so like I'll eat other things. There are other things. I doubt it's just the fish that they're eating. Yeah. And even if it is just the fish that they're eating, this was about being a supportive friend in that moment. And what I have an issue with with this episode is it's not necessarily that it's written incorrectly or that it's not true to the characters. It's that Corey's very privileged in this. He's coming at everything with Sean from a very privileged point of view. And he's just like, why are you, why is this such a big deal to you? Why is, why is money the thing that's making you have this identity crisis? And it's like, oh, Corey, you don't have an identity crisis through that. You have an identity crisis with everything else, but you don't understand why Sean, who doesn't have the same resources and upbringing as you would find this as an insecurity. You know what? I, 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 I disagree. I think Corey understands all of that. I just think it took him a little while to get there. I don't I think know. that by the end of the episode, he got really hip to it. And I think him confronting Harley was kind of him doing what he probably should have done just right there at that dinner table, which was just like be there for his friend. Yeah. And if had he had he done that, maybe it wouldn't have escalated to the point where Sean's debating hitting Turner's bike with a baseball bat. But um, I do think Corey did come to that realization. It just kind of took him a little while to get there. I just feel that he was pushing Sean. Oh, and you know what? This isn't the first time that we've seen Corey get, like, angry at Sean for just having, like, a mental health thing that he should have just sat down and talked to him about. Exactly. Um, This is all of... I mean, there's a lot of episodes that come to mind when watching this episode. The Christmas episode where Sean's family, his dad got laid off, kind of came up in this. Uh, The Cherry Bomb episode. Just all these episodes that kind of, like, touched on their friendship kind of growing and coming apart. Again, I I mean, I think it's important because it does show what it takes for a friendship to last, which is uh, identifying these... um, these differences, you know what I mean? Yeah, just these, and just like don't don't get mad at Sean for figuring shit out, Corey. Like he's That's going through some stuff. Like take a second. Every week, three. Corey has an insecurity about like his hair or about like I don't know. He's just Sean not has cool. real problems. <laughs> yeah, like, he he legit has issues. Also, this is the first but not last episode we see Sean call refer to himself as trailer trash. Exactly, and that's what I'm it, saying. It's it's just like it's. It's Corey's refusal to acknowledge Sean's insecurities, which is, I think, the real problem. Yeah, for sure. Especially oh. since Sean's are legitimate and most of Corey's are in his head. Yeah. Sean's legit the best thing he's going to eat today is carfish. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, let's be a little sensitive to him. Exactly. Well, again, and I think what I think. I think the issue comes from Corey being like, well, no, I mean, you can eat at my place and then you don't have to. And you're like, yeah, but you don't understand what that is. Yeah. And just kind of borrowing bits and pieces of Corey's life to fill in what's lacking in Sean's life is not a permanent solution. I think Corey keeps trying to suggest that as a permanent solution. But Sean's under the understanding that like, no, this isn't my life. This is just your life that I'm partaking in. And I need to have... Yes whole on my own yes that is really really 
important. So um, from there, I want to go to... Wait, before... I'm sorry. Before we leave this kitchen scene real fast, there's a moment in which um, uh, Jason and Eric kind of brush by uh, Alan and Amy <laughs> where they just, they're just talking about... They're like, I'm, uh, Eric's like, I'm not going to wear spandex or something. And then Amy's like, should we look into that? And Alan's like, well, no. He said he wasn't going to wear spandex. So he unless says, he changes his mind... Yeah, Alan says, which, as long as Eric's still saying no to whatever's going on, I think we're fine. Because otherwise he might be gay, in which case that'll be a real problem. Is that what I'm supposed to understand? Yeah, pretty much. That? That, it, was, it was a homophobic joke. It really okay, alright. Just making sure <laughs> I got that understood. But speaking of homophobia, or at least uh, homoerotic, I don't know how to say this, the scene where we first meet New Harley um, and him, Joey, and Frankie are coming out of the bathroom. I have no idea what they were doing in that bathroom, but it did not look kosher. <laughs> yeah, something about New Harley definitely gives off of him and Joey doing gay stuff in the bathroom. It does, does it not? It's not. And it's I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because he's younger. He's like because he doesn't have a personality the way the other Harley does. I'm only left with his looks, and I don't know. There's just the, there's definitely that like. Mm. Yeah, I just like again. I'm not saying anything about the looks. For me, it was definitely just the dynamic of them coming out of that bathroom. It just did not look like I was like, "What were the three of you doing in that bathroom?" Like you know, like you've never seen Harley, the original Harley, just hang out in the bathroom with the. Other you know guys. what it was too is that this Harley obviously doesn't look as old as the other Harley, but because of that, he almost looks the same age or younger as Joey and Frankie, and that authority shift is is there for me it's just it's not there i think yeah he, you get that he's trying to be harley kinder but you're like you're not and i don't understand why they couldn't just make you your own character yeah um yeah. because it's just it feels like a poor imitation and he has none of the authority and, and i think they even like kind of rely on joey and frankie to even pull it off uh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, they, they couldn't really, do it without him. Yeah, they really are the ones who, uh, you know, I guess sell this whole thug life. If that's yeah. So basically, it. Sean has decided overnight that he is not going to worry about being Corey's friend anymore. Yeah, that he is going to be a, a vigilante who destroys the library. Yeah, the entire like you can't get to it unless you get there through boat is what Beanie <laughs> says. The library filled with paper books is ruined because yeah. of Sean's crime. He released all the rats in the science thing, all to try to win favor with these thugs who. The hardest thing they've done today is sit. <laughs> exactly. And that's all they're going to do. Uh, I do like that they, you know, this this little dynamic has a um, an internship program. I like that they're thinking ahead. Um, Absolutely. You know, the intern has to get bagels. I think, you know, all of these things are very, very true to life. I'm, I'm here it, for it. It's interesting. <laughs> and I wrote this as a note later on. But um, I'm curious because... You know, when we see the original Harley's gang, they're not really taking part of any in any criminal activity. Yeah. It's more of just kind of referring to Bullying. acts of violence and things like that. Just kind of like alluding to them having criminal activity, mostly just stealing kids' lunch monies. But it's interesting that in this episode where we have this new Harley 
there's an actual crime that might take place, that there's actual malice going on, but it's not with this Harley that we know to be this lovable older brother character. It's with this new guy who we don't give a shit about. And I wonder if this would have even worked with the old Harley, because honestly, I can't see Harley peer pressuring Sean to do what he does at the end of this episode. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why they did someone different. They were like, it just wouldn't, it would, I don't know. It just, it, there's a lot going on with this particular character and storyline. Um, and it's just, and I think it just makes it even more messy that they use Joey and Frankie because we're like, we know you guys. And they still have, they still hit their beats, but it's just like, it's a little, it's a little off. Yeah. Um, and, but I like, I do like that, you know, Joey's kind of constantly like, oh, wait, you're not going to challenge him on this? Or, you know, like, Joey is even kind of questioning, like, what's going on. Even Joey's confused. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joey has this really interesting part during the motorcycle scene where he uh, has this little monologue about turning Sean into a chicken. You know what I'm thinking? What are you thinking, Frankie? I'm thinking he ain't got the guts, Joey. Yeah, I'm smelling chicken. A big one. Extra crispy. I said we take him to the corner. He'll pluck you, fry you, and serve you in a bucket with biscuits. Oh, I just remembered something. And that inspires Frankie to just straight up leave <laughs> for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Does not come back. He's like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of something. Just leaves. <laughs> what I liked is... All right, so here's the thing. I will say, because we've talked about this. Joey is a great friend, and he may have, like, bad influences at times, but he is a good friend. So when... Corey's like your rat-faced friend. I was like, excuse you, sir. You will respect Joey the rat. Yeah, I mean, I think Joey is my favorite of the three. Exactly. I just, I think he's so funny. I think he, um, like I, like you said, he's such a loyal friend. But I also, again, like, I just, this just seemed really out of, because we haven't seen them actually beat thugs before, this just seemed really odd for yeah. all three of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, so, yeah. so I wanted to get into, um, there are two things. We get two kind of lesson moments. And what makes me upset is that they undercut one. And then the second one is what leads us to the finale, which the first one that they undercut is when uh, Feeney, Corey's talking to Feeney, and Feeney says uh, the old nature versus nurture debate. <clears throat> oh yeah, at the Feeny by the fence moment. Exactly, Feeny by the fence moment, and I like what Feeny says, but then they completely undercut it. But again, there's something realistic about the fact that Corey would, of course, um, misinterpret it to mean that you know he can just do whatever he wants, and that there, you know, all of these arguments exist in a vacuum. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that they didn't really address. It's that Feeney's not wrong, but it's just that these theories don't exist in a vacuum and there's much more to it. But for them to address the nature versus nurture debate and then have it disregarded makes that seem stupid. Yeah. Especially since what, what Feeney's point is, is that you can overcome whatever you're born into. Yeah, and not only does I mean, Feeney kind of insinuates that, like, you know, if a person is, you know, determined enough, strong enough that they can kind of make whatever they want out of themselves, but that's not really, and I think this is kind of where you're you're touching on. This is that's not really what Sean does. Sean doesn't 
like raise himself out of that situation. He is dependent on the approval of his friends and this teacher in order for him to kind of fulfill any uh, uh, self-respect or self-worth. It's not something he provides himself. It's something he's still getting externally. Yeah, exactly. It's so sorry. It is ridiculous uh, that they would even do that to, to Sean and make that argument because I think this, it just perpetrates the American way of thinking, which is that, oh, the only, like, as long as you're determined enough, you can do it. Yeah, but there's a lot more than that, you know? Determination yeah. isn't the only thing. Sometimes these are factors. You know, what sure. you're born into does kind of influence things. Who your friends are, which is what I think is an even better arguments this show makes later on when Turner's like, do you think scumbags have friends like this? That all of that is very, very relevant into where a person ends up. So again, they kind of address this Boy Meets World does this thing where it's like they are addressing all the right things and they're hinting at all these really, really great lessons. But sometimes the actual text is way off. I just thought it was messy. I thought they could have they if they did another draft of the script and maybe cut out some of the the skating stuff, I think yeah. they could have made a, a better episode that was a better representation of Sean's evolution because to me, and I don't know about you, it kind of took away from it when at the end of this episode, you know, Tur- Turner's like, do you think you're okay? And Sean's like, no, do you think I'm okay? Like, if Sean just said, no, I think I'm okay, like, if he kind of came to that determination on his own, I kind of feel like it would have been a, a, a more uh, satisfying evolution for his character to find inner strength. And, um, but for him to still just like need the approval of other people, just like, I mean, getting Turner's approval is really no different than getting what's her face is Jill Hollinger's approval. Like it's just a different person he's looking for approval from. Yeah. I would much prefer him kind of come to an internal source of that. So, I mean, I think I agree with everything you're saying. I just also, I, I will say that I'm reminded that he is a teenage boy in seventh yeah. grade, so I don't expect him to get th- to that place yet. And we also know that we have seasons of a journey with uh, Sean and this whole situation. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's literally like where he joins the a cult. Beginning. Like yeah. he is all over the place. <laughs> exactly. So it's um, I think it's great because it does set up what we will have, like what will be a series long conflict with the boys and this sure. really having to come back to it. Um, but I just, I just think that their first handling of it and not, not the topic itself, but just the conclusion uh, is, is very messy. Sure. And you know what? There were, there was one part that I wanted to bring up that I, I actually did enjoy from that last part, which was, um, you know, Sean's kind of expressing that he doesn't know who he is, but yeah. before he does, it just reminded me a lot of that classic moment of um, them at the beginning of the season where Corey's like, I don't know. He doesn't feel cool. And he's like, I don't know who I am. And Sean's like, I'm Corey. You're, yeah. you're Corey. I'm Sean. That's the way it's always been. Yeah. It just feels like that every now and then one of them needs to remind. The they other need to remind like, each other that we're yeah. friends no matter what. And it's just, it's nice to see that the ping pong goes both ways. Yeah, that, no, you know, no. Sean pulls Corey back in. Corey pulls Sean back in. Whenever they kind of lose their way, that there's someone there to pull them back in. And so yeah. it's just really nice to see it feel. Because I feel like eventually it's just Corey helping Sean out nonstop. So I just, you know, the balance of it is nice. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is that I, um, 
that brings us to the second lesson in this episode, is which is when Corey is talking to Alan, and Alan kind of nails it out of the park. You know, he's like, well, Sean doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And first of all, I do like Alan's reaction. He's like, well, where's that coming from? What's that all about? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's re- because, you know, they everyone understands what these this relationship between the two boys actually means. They understand sure. how special it is. So when there is a rift in Corey and Sean, it, it is a thing. You know, it's a big moment. And I, I just kind of like that acknowledgement of it, first of all. But then I also really like the fact that um, Alan was like, you know, sometimes people push you away when they need you the most, you know? And I think yeah, that to me was like, a, all right, you got, you got the real part, the real core of this issue. You, yeah. you know what I mean? But to me, that's what I marked as the Feeny moment. Yeah. Was your friends push you away when they need you the most. To me, that's, that's the entire episode. That's Sean's entire dynamic. He needed Corey as a friend throughout the episode entirely, even though Corey kind of only showed up at the end there. Um, if Corey had kind of been a better friend to him in the beginning, perhaps Sean wouldn't have gone to that extreme. Yeah. But you know, it's, it just kind of showed that, you know, once Sean is aware that Corey's there for him, he's, he falls back into it. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have any other notes? Um, not really. Uh, I guess I just kind of, the only other note was that at one point, Corey, uh, uh, Harley calls Corey baboon, and Corey talks <laughs> about his hair being greasy. And I was just like, "This is really not working with this." No, that I oh, thank you for he, his hair is not even I greasy; like it doesn't work. I literally said when he was like, "Hey, baboon," I was like, "You do not get to call him baboon." <laughs> no, you have not earned baboon. You have not earned baboon, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really kind of all I got. Okay, so um. We got a little, just just to like say, we did get a little bit of Topanga. That was fun. Um, just her little. Oh, we bit. had a new character in this episode that we didn't talk about. Who? Who was the little girl at the kitchen table? Oh, see, that's so funny because you're right. Is this new Morgan? No. Oh, that's right. It is Morgan. No, she's been on the show. I just, I <laughs> forgot. That she was on the show. I hate you so much. You're an idiot. You did <laughs> no, all we don't, that. No, we don't get and new Morgan until next season. I doubt myself. I was like, wait, who did I forget? <laughs> Just because you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. All right, so what letter grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode a B minus. B minus. Good. Uh, I'm going to give it the same. I think it's a it's worthy of a B minus. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of great quotes. Um, what is America's thing with insulting Canadians? Like the whole Oh yeah, yeah. There was that thing like, well, Canadians gay, how hard it could it be? I was just like, oh, okay. That's, what, that's, that's, what, why that's are we like this? Joke. I don't understand it. <laughs> you know what? It's it's just nationalism. <laughs> it is nationalism, but like it's always like we insult Canada like we have got anything together. Like it's just it's always so funny. It's like oh yeah, I, you know what? And I feel care. like that was more of a '90s joke anyway. I feel like yeah. Canada has kind of proven themselves to be a a, a country of merit. Like, yeah, maybe to it's Americans at this point. Now I'm like they have Trudeau, and yeah. so they're clearly yeah. the ones winning. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys see who our commander, our celebrity in chief is. Like you see it, right? Exactly. So maybe that's it. All right. Did you have a bra moment? Um, yeah, my bra moment was, um, 
Eric and Jason blatantly lying to a girl about Jason's, I'm sorry, Eric's skating habits just to get laid. Exactly. What another point? Eric feels like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. Yeah. And then the girl's like, oh man, these these dress these skirts are getting shorter and shorter. Hi, Eric. And Eric's like, oh, I'll be wearing her skirt. Nothing at all. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just, I was just like, uh, I'm kind of rolling my eyes at this whole story. I don't, I don't need it. And Jason's the only thing that saves that story for me. I completely agree. Okay. Um. Yeah, it, that's it. You want to go go on the homework? Sure. Yeah. Um. Why don't you go first, actually? Okay. So uh, I kind of posted about this earlier. I am currently in the middle of my addiction to cooking competition shows. Um, that's where I'm at. It's and I don't know what stage of adulting this is, but I'm firmly there. Um, so, uh, I'm going to recommend one called Beat Bobby Flay, which is on the Food Network. It is so much fun. Uh, the whole premise of it is that the chef, celebrity chef Bobby Flay is challenged by, like, an amateur, uh, and then there's, like, a blind taste test, and you get to see who does the dish well. Uh, very often, Bobby Flay wins, and you could just kind of tell because his presenta- he's a professional chef. His presentation is just, like, out of the park, and he'll do something, like, really small that's, like, someone else didn't do. But every every once in a while, you do get a, a chef who pulls off a meal um, that beats Bobby, and it is, I guess it's just, like, the little bit of children Freud that... Uh, <laughs> That you sure. Like, because it's just like, oh my god, I really do love it when they are able to beat Bobby. But Bobby is such a charming cook uh, that you also you kind of root for him as well. So beat Bobby Flay is one, and then uh, there's also this dessert competition on Netflix called. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to do. So let's just go with the uh, just desserts. Zumbo's Just Desserts, which um, is with Australian chef. Um, I can't remember his name. It's like Anthony Zumba or Andre Zumba. I can't remember. Uh, I'll put it in the description. But uh, it's a very fun cooking competition. And this guy is like literally a real life Willy Wonka. Like the creations he makes are just phenomenal. Like seriously, some of the things he does is just genius. And you're like, how did you do this? Um, So if you are like really into artistry, but then also cooking competition shows, uh, you should definitely check this one out. The premise behind that is they have like a little challenge that they have to do to qualify um, for the final round. And if you make the final round, you have to recreate, sorry, if you are the bottom two of the final round, you have to recreate one of uh, Zumbo's artistic uh designs and it is usually very very challenging um so yeah you know what i think i need to get into this whole cooking dynamic that you're into like i'm I'm feeling this it's so much fun i don't like i here's the thing i can't explain why and i just assume it's like something that happens when you turn 30 you like love all these little stupid things but i am literally thrilled by these cooking competitions it makes no sense but they're my favorite thing to do Yo, you know what? We all need an escape. We yeah. all need an escape. Um, For my homework, sure, yeah. Okay, well, as you guys know, or as I've mentioned, I have a fairly long commute to work. 
Um, so I do tend to lean on a lot of podcasts. Um, yes. There's a podcast called The History of Stand Up. It's Ooh. only it's yeah it's it's a very short uh, series that kind of goes into like um, I think it's only like six episodes. Um, but it's just it's it's fascinating if you're into like the nuts and bolts of stand up comedy and kind of its rise in television and media. It kind of goes through the different comedy booms that we've had throughout um, the decades. Um, talks about some of the bigger names. You get some really interesting interviews and clips that are thrown in there. So yeah, if you're into stand up at all, I, I'm, a, I'm a big comedy nerd. Um, so I, I just found it to be super interesting. Um, so yeah, it's called The History of Stand Up. You can find it where podcasts are available. All right. Anything else or is that it? Um, yeah, that's it. Um, right, alcohol that's is really great too. And this new <laughs> alcohol is really great. <laughs> Let's just give a shout out to alcohol. Just, you Absolutely. know, as, as we're all dealing with different, uh, you know, waves of sorts alcohol that are happening in this country. Definitely something you should try out. Uh, if you haven't, you're going to love it. <laughs> so like, for example, if, if California is burning down and uh-huh. the president tweets, blaming it on the forest uh-huh. system ma- management, you might think, oh, hey, why don't I take a drink instead of screaming at my phone about this guy <laughs> who is blaming the forest when people are losing their homes? Yeah. Um, alcohol, that's what it's there for. Alcohol guys. is there just for that one reason. Okay, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to Brown Meets World. You can find us on Stitcher, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all of the places. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. Uh, that's X C R A C E E J. Tonacy. You can find me at A Braver Me on Instagram, and you, you can find me across this great nation as I go on a road trip. Next week. Yeah, you're road tripping it. Um, nope. Yeah. So you guys just remember to dream try and do better than whatever else we've been do better guys <laughs> just do do, better, yeah. do do good but do better all right because you guys have been really slack <laughs> all right later bros later bruh <laughs>